What's up, man? Let me take you for a little spin, man. Show you what it feel like. I gotta go make these drop offs. Man, you think you're the only one out here working, B? I gotta make, make drop offs too, B. Come on, man, get in, man. I ain't taking no for an answer, man. Come on, get in. I'm not taking no for an answer. Welcome back to the No Cap Podcast. I'm your host, Solo Homie Mo. Thank you for listening. Before we get into today's episode, <clears throat> whatever you may be listening, do me a small favor. Please subscribe and download so you can listen to my podcast. We ain't got shit else to do. You know what I'm saying? I don't ask for much. You know what I'm saying? I don't need no fans or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Because... I'm pretty sure once you listen to the podcast, you know what I'm saying, take the time to, to scroll through the podcast that's already up, you're going to find something, you know what I'm saying, just read the 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 titles of the podcast, you're going to find something that intrigues you, I guarantee you, so that's why I always say subscribe and download, so you can listen to my podcast when you ain't got shit else to do, uh, for people that like all day radio, I'm also now streaming on Hidden City Radio. Monday through Friday at 1.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's HiddenCityRadio.net for the people who like radio. They got they specialize in indie artists, but, <clears throat> you know, if I'm on there, then it's dope. You know what I'm saying? They got dope music all day long. So definitely check out Hidden City. That's HiddenCityRadio.net. On this episode, I sat down with board-certified nurse Dominique O. Now, uh, one of the things about the no cap podcast if you ain't got the you know what I'm saying if you're not sure for any of my listeners that's not sure what the title means you know what I'm saying or the title has a, a few meanings but one of the meanings you know what I'm saying is is no bullshit and in order for me to bring you no bullshit I have to bring I don't know everything you know what I'm saying and I'll be a fool and a liar you know what I'm saying to, to portray that, you know what I'm saying, to act like I know everything. And like I say on a lot of episodes, a lot of topics I, I, I touch are touchy to some. That's why I always say you can always reach out to me. I always put my contact information in the description. I'm never running from nobody. But like I was saying, <clears throat> a part of the no cap, you know what I'm saying, is I can't cap with y'all, with my audience, you know what I'm saying. So if I don't have the answer, you know what I'm saying? Or if it's a topic that I touch on, I'm going to do my best to bring an expert in the field. You know what I'm saying? And to bring that expertise. You know what I'm saying? There's no cap expertise. You know what I'm saying? So in this episode, I sat down with the nurse and we talked about a variety of things. We we began with our start in the medical field. But um, a lot of dope stuff stuff we touched on too as far as like the COVID-19 um, medical field conspiracies about is it a cure for AIDS, the Tuskegee experiments if you know anything about that so it was definitely a dope podcast it definitely went on longer than intended so um, definitely check it out um, Dominique is going to be a recurring guest on the show as well as uh, the No Cap Podcast medical expert. So definitely um, be looking out to see her on future installments of the No Cap Podcast. But until then, check out the interview. It was dope. Um, I want to thank her for coming on the show. Like I said, she's going to be back. Um, make sure you um, subscribe and download just in case you don't finish the show. You know what I'm saying? You can finish the show when you ain't got shit else to do. You know what I'm saying? You're on your way to the on your way to your slavery, at your slavery, you know what I'm saying? Take care of the kids, you know what I'm saying? Turn on that No Cap podcast. Also, like I said, too, with season two starting in 2021, a lot of the podcasts now are visuals as well. This uh, interview went, took place on Zoom. So for the people who listen to the podcast strictly in podcast form, you can now um, go on to YouTube, Silo Homie Mo Presents on YouTube. Anybody who's not subscribed on YouTube, Stop what you're doing right now. Go on YouTube. You can you can do it at the same time that you're listening to this. So go on YouTube. Solo Homie Mo Presents. Subscribe to the channel. And then the No Cap Podcast. Everything is on there. <clears throat> like I said, we did this on Zoom. So go check it out. Make sure you subscribe. So when the next... Um, the next thing drop, you know what I'm saying? Hit that bell icon so you notify when it drop. And like I said before, for some reason... 
um, I, I, I upload the show on a one site and it puts it everywhere, but for some reason it hits YouTube and Spotify first. So, uh, I just want to put that out there for my loyal fans that want to always get the show when it's, when it drop, drop. YouTube and Spotify is definitely the way to go. So on Spotify, make sure you just press the download arrow and on YouTube, just make sure you press the bell icon. Um, I think that's all I got for y'all, man. We're going to get right into the interview. Like I said, it went on long to expect longer than expected. So I'm going to stop running my mouth and get right to it. All right. Welcome to the No Cap Podcast. Why don't you in, go ahead and introduce yourself for the people. What's up? I'm Dominique. I'm RN, BSN, board certified uh, nurse, uh, okay. neurosurgery, neuroscience, and neurology specialty. Okay, okay. And how long have you been in the medical field? Um, I've been in the medical field for probably like 12 years. I've been a nurse for six. It's not the same thing? Um, no, because you can be a CNA, you can be a nurse tech, you can work in the radiology area, so it's multiple areas you can work in in the medical field. So I started out as a CNA, which is a certified nursing assistant, then I went to be a nurse tech, and then when I graduated nursing school, I was RN. Okay, and what exactly made you want to to be an RN? Was it you was a CNA and you wanted to move up, or was it that always the goal? Um, well, I always liked science and then I liked, um, teaching people. So, which is majority of what nurses do is teaching, then mixing in the science and then of course helping people. So with all of that being combined, I've always been the caretaker because I'm the oldest, um, sibling. So I've always been like a caretaker of my younger siblings. So that kind of all like went in together. So I actually started in high school when I was in the, um, health occupation program uh-huh. and it was like the last two years of my um high school so junior and senior year I was in in that program and so we would like go to the hospitals and like shadow nurses and just like right. see everything that they do and then your senior year you get certified in like something so the first half like before you get out for Christmas I did CNA got my CNA uh certificate and then the second half I did phlebotomy which is like blood draws yeah. So when I got out of high school, I basically had two. I could basically get a job, you know, as a CNA or phlebotomy tech or both. But um, after out of high school, I went straight to college. So. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so, can you tell us a little bit of what your day to day job consists of? Huh. Okay. So it's it's a lot, of course, but um. So basically, when we get there, of course, we get report. I work night shift. So uh, I've always worked night shift. Even in mm-hmm. school, I work night shift. So I, um, we get there, you know, we get report, um, see about our patients, and then you know, kind of like prep for the day. So like, look at your medications, um, look through the chart, kind of see like what's going on with the patient. Because like the previous nurse, that kind of give you like just a summary. So like, if mm-hmm. you want like the details, you go through the chart. And then basically, I start out like giving my medications and doing my uh, assessment. And of course, they need stuff like food, water, um, ice. You know, the family probably needs stuff like coffee or whatever. Um, and they just kind of go through the day. So like everything is kind of as far as like medication and our tasks are like mm-hmm. already like pre-planned for us. We just kind of like have the time manage, manage it because they can be at like different frequencies. You have some stuff every four hours, two hours, whatever. So you pretty much just go through your day with whatever you have to do. They have tests. So sometimes you have to take them down, take them for a different test mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then at my job, we don't actually have like um, a phlebotomist who comes and draws our labs for us. So we have to do our own labs. Um and then I mean other stuff that happened during the day, like starting IVs, you know. I mean, my unit, we don't really have like a lot of codes because our patients um come in for like surgeries or um seizures or strokes. Uh-huh. And so pretty much anything dealing with the brain, the neck, as far as surgeries and back surgeries. So we get like brain tumors, uh people have like brain bleeds, um, then like different neck and back Is that kinda of like what Dr. Drake just said? Yeah, so he had an aneurysm, so that's pretty much like, um, you have like arteries and veins, and so like they kind of like, um, they go like a certain way, because he kind of like straight, and so they mm-hmm. can like have like bulges, 
um, where they kind of like something sticks out, it kind of looks look like a pea almost or something like that. And so when you have that, it kind of, if it bursts, it pushes you, you have a brain bleed because blood goes through your veins and arteries. So I'm not sure like what the details was of his aneurysm, right. but, um, I mean, you can have an aneurysm and be walking and not even really know until like, what, it starts to give you symptoms like headaches. Or I thought they was bleed. fatal. I thought if you had huh? a brain, I thought they was fatal. I thought that I seen like a movie and this guy, mama had a brain aneurysm. She just like fell in her bowl of cereal. I thought it was. Yeah, bad. if they burst and you have a really bad brain, brain bleed, then yes, because they, you, I mean, yo, um, cause when you have a brain bleed, that's like a stroke. It's like two different kinds of strokes, bleeding okay. and not bleeding. So basically just think about if an aneurysm and you have blood going through your veins and then that aneurysm bursts, then you just mm-hmm. have blood going all over. So sometimes you can have them in the big arteries or veins in your brain, or you can have them in the small ones where like if it bursts, you know, it's going to be a brain bleed, but it might not be as much blood. But if you have it in like a big one, then it'll be a lot of blood. So, yeah, it just depends on if it bursts or not. But, I mean, of course, it's kind of like a ticking time bomb thing because you really don't know. And that's the crazy thing about the brain is that it kind of, like, tries to heal itself or you have, like, subtle, like, signs and symptoms. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah. Right. And you will have to know these signs and symptoms to know. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, it's pretty general. Like, I mean, a headache. Right, exactly. It could be just a headache, or it could be a headache because you got a like the COVID you know? symptoms, like you, you yeah. just have a cold type shit. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they say Drake back in the studio already, so he, he must be good. But oh yeah, that we probably talk he, about I that a little bit later. Had, I know he can do his video when he had Justin Bieber. Yeah, the one with um, Drake, yeah, and uh, DJ Khaled. But we kind of gonna get into kind of that later because pertaining like does your income. Um, determine the type of healthcare you receive. So we're going to get into okay. that a little bit later. Okay. So um, talking about just your day-to-day and all the stuff that you have to do, does uh, any time does your job become stressful and do you feel like you're being fairly compensated for the work that you do? I can say pretty much um, every day it can be. It's different levels of stress. I mean, every day you kind of go in there with a mindset of like, I'm taking care of these people. Anything can happen. Their family is dependent on me to take care of them. So you always kind of have like that underlying level of like stress. But then when you have like a sick patient or a very critical patient, of course, your stress level is higher. Um, I can say that, excuse me, where I work, I feel like um, I'm well compensated. I've worked at other places in the past that I probably wasn't well compensated. But um, working in nursing, working in the healthcare field in general, um, different areas, different states, different cities, they have um, different access to money or funding, or they just do healthcare very different. Because I started out working as a nurse in Louisiana, and then I came to Texas, and so it's just totally different on how they do do things. Um, I feel like I am well compensated, but of course, I mean, some jobs are just going to be like, you're never going to get paid enough, right. you know? Right. Um, so that's kind of like what it is. So it's like, you really have to have a passion for it because the money is never going to, you know, like make up for it. Cause it's going to be those days of patients or family members going to cuss you out and you can't send nothing back or, right. you know, just, and I mean, you got to think about it being on the other side, the patients are dealing with a lot. And so sometimes you become their, um, I don't know what to say, but you become like their punching bag, basically, you mm-hmm. know, because they, I mean, I don't know if they know that we can't say anything back or it's just, we just like the only person that they're seeing or, you know, we're dealing with it. So they might in a sense kind of like blame us. I don't know. Right, right. So it's kind of a lot, but I mean, you know, it, it you just have to know pretty much how to deal with it. And it just takes time. Um, as you, you know, be are a nurse for, you know, over time, you just know how to like deal with certain patients and when they become kind of difficult, um, or they become stressed or they're stressing you out and just know to take your breaks and, you know, if you need a breather, just take a breather because you have a life outside of work, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, talking about a little bit more about that. Um, do they offer anything like as far as counseling? Cause I know you guys like build relationships with people that you might see 
somewhat consistently and then the next day or the next minute, next hour, they might not be gone. Or like you might be cool with the family one day in the waiting room talking. Then the next day they might lose a loved one and the, the vibes change. Is it is that something that you guys have to cope with on your own or is that something that they gave y'all some type of skills while you was training to uh, get your certifications or is how do you handle that? Well, I don't think, I don't remember, like, I'm not going to say we didn't, but I don't remember, like, in nursing school having, like, them teaching us how to, like, cope with things like that. Because you do have situations where, like, on my unit, we can, we have, like, five patients. And so, like, one of your patients might die. And you have to go into your other patient's room and put on a face, like, you know, as if that didn't happen. You know, like, you don't get, okay, when your patient dies. Um, you can go home or when your patient dies, you get like, you don't have to take care of the rest of your patient. Like you have to keep going. And so, um, I think it's kind of scary because you kind I think you can kind of build up like a wall where like you don't have that connection when someone does die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, me personally, I don't think it really has anything to do with building a relationship with the patient because I've had patients that, I've had for a while and they passed away and I didn't cry and I've had patients that I took care of them that first night and they died and then I was crying so it just kind of I don't know me personally I don't know what makes the determining factor but I think it's just sad overall that somebody losing a family member so like in my job we do have like 24 hour like um chaplains or you know like pastors or whatever so like they can always come and like pray for you and then recently with the pandemic um they've offered us like free um uh what am i trying to say free um like counseling counseling. Uh yeah counseling so we can go and it's i I don't know if we get like a certain amount of sessions but um we can go i don't know if that was the case but huh i said it should be unlimited I know we, I, I think at first, uh, initially it was only a certain <laughs> amount of sessions, but now I think they changed it because they, I don't think nobody intended that this would go on this long. And I don't think people realize how much stress that like nurses are under and like what are we deal with because like we do everything, even like sometimes like, re- um, recommending things to the doctors to like do for the patients. We really have to advocate for the patients because like we're the ones that, that are there like all the time. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So what made me ask that question and we're going to get into the pandemic next, but, um, I had saw it was, it was a famous story about a, like the head of a hospital in Europe, but it was some cases nationally where nurses and medical professionals were taking their lives, like at the peak of the pandemic, just from all the stress and all that. So, yeah. I just, and I mean, my, where I work at, I mean, of course it's bad in Texas. Um, I'm in Houston. So yeah, but I don't, it wasn't as bad as like other places where like, they literally were having like bodies on top of bodies right. um, and stuff like that. So, I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, we're human. We're not like machines. And I think like right. some people don't realize that they're like, cause they'll be like, Oh, well, you don't know. Like if something's going on, with them. you don't know. And I'm like, I've had coworkers that have been like actually going through chemo and still coming to work, you know, or, mm-hmm. Um, had surgery and came right back to work like right after and still were like limping you know what I'm saying or coming to work I've seen doctors come to work on like these little like scooters they had yeah. like an ankle surgery or coming in with a boot so it's like y'all you don't really know like they think that we're perfect and it's like no we go through stuff even like when my dad died I went to work like back to work like two or three weeks later you know, so it's just kind of like, y'all don't really know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what all we go through, you know what I'm saying? They just assume that, like, nothing ever happens to us, you know? Yeah. But um, I can see how it can be stressful. And then a lot of people were, like, quarantining from their own families, you know? Like, mm-hmm. not sleeping in the bed with their right. husbands or their kids and their wives and stuff like that. So I can see, like, if you used to coming home every day and, like, that is your relief. Because, like, my mom always jokes to me about, like, I'm in the shower for a long time when I get off of work. And I'm like, because that's my relief when I get off. So, like, I don't have kids. I don't have a husband. So, you know, that's my relief when I come home. But other people, their source of, like, you know, a refresher is coming home to their family. And when they can't do that, it just mm-hmm. mess with your head. Or am I going to be next? Am I going to get this? Am I going to die? You right, know? exactly. Yeah. So, now that we started uh, touching on it a little bit, in your opinion, how dangerous is COVID-19? I think it's dangerous because it's still developing. Like, it's not like something that 
right. been around for a while. We, you know, know about it. We've been researching it like the flu or the common cold or any right. other, other viruses, you know, even um, that we've been dealing with. So I think it's very dangerous because as time goes on, like we're continuously learning. It's like we all, like we're in this huge like petri dish or something like we just going through the motion and trying to like figure it out as we go. And along the way, like people are dying. So it's really scary. Um, you know, I didn't even think that it was going to be this long because when it first happened, I was in Costa Rica on my 30th birthday trip. Mm-hmm. And we were over there. The, the people like at the resort kept asking us like, oh, is COVID really bad in America? And we like, me and my friend right. were like, oh, we don't know. Like we here with y'all. And literally like, when we were coming back, like three, the day I came back, like three or four days later, they were like canceling all flights to like Costa Rica. Yeah. And so we were like, dang, we barely made it. And then next thing you know, at my job, they were like pulling me to like come work in the ICU or I was working on like the COVID floors and like stuff like that. So I didn't even know. I was like, oh, this is going to kind of like fade. I was thinking it's kind of like when Ebola kind of like made its little appearance and it wasn't right. like really around for a while. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what happened with COVID. I don't know if they really realized how bad it was or how many people over here possibly had it and just kind of got a late start on trying to like, you know, get rid of it. And now it's, they're saying it's mutated. So right. I think it's really dangerous. Um, I think people just, I mean, I'm not going to say people need to stay at home because I've been going out, but mm-hmm. I can just say like, just be careful, you know, and just be conscious and kind of like make conscious decisions. Like, do I really need to go here or, and I mean, at the same time, it's kind of like you only got one life to live. So it's like, do I want to, like, if I am going to die, like, am I going to just die, like, standing in the house the whole time? So it's kind of hard because we're so used to going out and stuff. But I think it really is dangerous because we really don't know. And it is a virus, so it can mutate. So... Right, and I think I think part of that had to do with you know what I'm saying the previous uh, administration had really downplayed it. I mean, the first information yeah. that I had got uh, from it was like it was a flu-like virus, um, yeah. and if you know, I'm pretty sure you know, but two two hundred thousand people nationally lose their life from the flu every year. So, yeah. at that standpoint, a lot of people didn't take it serious. But with you having to go to where people who get infected with this go for for safety do you feel safe working in the hospital during the pandemic and has the compensation um since the pandemic as far as not just monetarily but just as far as the counseling or maybe you know i'm saying meals and stuff like that do you feel like you guys have been fairly compensated through the pandemic so the very like when it first happened people were sending us food every day um, at first it was kind of scary because like they were telling us it was, we were running out of masks and mm, like, right, all this right. stuff, you know, um, protective equipment and stuff. So it was kind of scary because like, we were like, dang, if we run out of stuff, then like, what we going to do? And then they, my job started like, a, um, recycling like the N95 masks where they like sterilize them. And so then we was kind of like, cause we're used Just for y'all, to like, right? getting a new one every time. Huh? Sterilizing y'all personal masks, not just... No, yeah, it's the N95, so it's like that one that you use for like an airborne. Um, okay. You know, the particles. So they were like sterilizing them, like when we use them, and then they were like telling us to keep the mask for like three, you can use your same mask for like three days. Is that true? Just, well, I mean, they tested it, so yeah, but like to us, when they were telling us it, it was weird to us because we were used to like every time we get a new mask, get a new mask, get a new mask. So when they come us like keep the mask for today, we like, huh? You know, so it's not saying that it's not true. Yeah, it's true. They have tested it and it's oh you know, it's okay to use that specific mask for um three days and then like the sterilization it um it doesn't change the actual like mechanism of the mask. It just basically gets this person germs off of it so that somebody else can use. I mean, of course, I would prefer to, like, okay, can you just sterilize, like, my mask so right. that I can reuse it? But it's really no way to, like, do that because my job has, like, you know, thousands of employees or whatever that are right. using these masks. But, um, 
I mean, you know, it's sterile. It comes in like a little pack. And I think, you know, but I mean, sterilization is fine. I don't think it's a problem. I think it's just in our mind. We were used to doing a certain thing and then we had to change it. And it was like, what? You know, but I think my job, they did a really, really good job of like making sure that we had what we needed, educating us every time things were changing. Because at first they were telling us that the patient had to be on a certain type of precautions and then they changed it. But they mm-hmm. were really good. Right. Even now they still like keeping us updated with like the numbers and like, um, my job are doing like different research trials with like um different ways to treat it, different medications to treat it with. So um my job has actually been really good, but my job is also like one of the best hospitals, you know. So um they've been doing really, really good. Okay, okay. <clears throat> so what um I, you had touched on a little bit about um at your Pacific job, you didn't see like the overwhelming people in the hallways and stuff like that. So with that being said, do you feel like it was over, has been, or it was overhyped in the media in any type of way? Cause just me personally, I just had a, a something, um, I just had a, a child and I have in the past few months, I've been in not the local hospital where I'm at and on the media, they be like, it's touching the black and brown community real heavy. But where I'm at, I don't see, you know what I'm saying? The stuff you see on CNN when people are all buzzed up in the hallways, you know what I'm saying? Every yeah. hospital I went to, I've been in and out, you know what I'm saying? They had yeah. turned the, the McCormick place and the Cook County freezer basically into morgues at the beginning, yeah. but they never really needed it. So do you feel like the it's been overhyped in any way? Um, I think it probably has been to some extent like made a little bit dramatic but I think it was kind of out of a fear that we didn't really know what was going to happen so let's like hype it up so that way people can get scared and not do you know not do the things that they tell, they're tell telling us not to do and I kind of think of it like in comparison because like I mean in college like when I was becoming an adult I lived in Louisiana which is like totally different because I'm from Chicago so it was like a super different like environmental thing and so like I moved there of course like after Katrina but everybody around me was telling me like you know once Katrina hit and how bad it was like every time there's gonna be a hurricane they like amp up like what they tell you like oh you know you need to evacuate you need to like they you know like they do you know like they do the most and then like right. the hurricane is never enough it's nothing when the hurricane comes it's not bad and he's like man we didn't have to evacuate we didn't have to do this we went about all these groceries you know but it's kind of like a thing to be like better safe than sorry right. you know And so I feel like that's kind of a little bit of what's going on with the pandemic because we don't, they don't really know what's going on. And I'm just like, I've been like doing my own personal research, like when the Spanish flu first happened and like how, you know, crazy it was and like what was going on, all these people died. Mm -hmm. And I think just like for us, we've never lived through a pandemic, you know, um, older people were like with the polio and then the Spanish flu and all of that. And so like, we don't really know. So it's kind of like to us, we're like, man, this ain't real, you know, because we don't really realize that we're actually living through like history, you know? Right, exactly. And so that's, I think the biggest part about it is that we don't really know what's going on. So I think there is maybe some level of drama added to it, but I think that it's okay that we do have that amount of drama because if you don't make it like that, of course we're we're like we're Americans, so we're gonna do what we want to do. We feel like mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. I mean. People still, you know, like going out, I mean, of course, restaurants have to social distance, but if it wasn't made, you know, that serious, and of course, it probably would be worse. So. Okay, so, um, for, because you hear, I hear a lot on, you know what I'm saying, the news programs or the information they put out for, like, people in, in our demographic, like, if you, you think you may have COVID-19 to first um, isolate yourself, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, just your personal opinion. What's your recommendation for anybody who may think they have COVID nineteen? I think you should quarantine or go get tested. I mean, no matter pretty much where you live, there are a number of free testing sites. They have rapid or the rapid test, or they have the antibody test, or you can just get you know like the COVID test that takes like a little while to result. So I think that if you, you know, like you feel like you've been exposed or you hear that you have been exposed and I feel like you should either quarantine and get tested or quarantine and just wait and see how your symptoms go. At first they were saying 14 days, but now um, they're doing like some places are doing 10. Right. Um, 
but I feel like you should. I mean, because you just never know. You don't want to get anybody else sick, you know. And I mean, so I think that you should um, quarantine or whatever. Even me, like I went to uh, Colorado like last weekend, and so like sometimes at work, like I like pull my mask. I just get like a breath, but like I really made a conscious effort to like not pull my mask down when I was at work because. I mean, like, I really didn't know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We didn't really do anything where we were, like, in an enclosed space, but still, it's just the principle, like, being on the airplane, you know, and stuff like that, so you just never know, like, who you've been around. And I, like, double mask and stuff like that just to be on the safe side. But I think you should, just because you don't want to get nobody else sick, and I mean, just because you not sick don't mean that somebody else, you know, don't get, gonna get sick, so... Okay, and what you touching on the double mask thing, it's a question I have wrote a minute ago. Okay. So... Just as far as like you was talking about you guys getting your, your mask sterilized for the normal person like me who's been wearing the same mask for the last 21 days. <laughs> is that even effective for any? I, you know, yes, because it will. I ain't put no body spray, no soap, none on that mug. You know what I'm saying? Well, you need to wash it. If you're using a cloth mask, you do need to wash it. Um, and I think that. Um, you should wash your mask if you're using a cloth mask. Let's just get that PSA out there because mm-hmm. I mean, it does it don't stink. <laughs> no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not like saying I you know we flip them. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah, bad yeah. one, you know, well, but wear it for that, a couple um, weeks. But how effective? Like you said, you will sterilize them every three days. So just for the regular person, those are a different kind of mask. It's not a cloth mask. It's like um, it takes some some different type of particles. Like it has really 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 small like pores on it. Oh, okay. Um, but that but you don't need that mask in the everyday environment because they have discovered that COVID isn't airborne. Just so like just like we had the people mask. who wear the blue gloves all day long, but they wear the that blue gloves on the stove, then not, come back in their car and still have the gloves on it, on the steering wheel and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yes, that is inappropriate. Um, even when I go someplace and they have a glove on, I tell them you need to change your gloves because Gloves have tiny, tiny, small holes in them, of course. So, I mean, something can still get on your hand. But me, personally, I feel like if you're not going to be touching anything wet, um, like, you know, bodily fluids or anything like that, then you don't need to wear gloves. You need to just sanitize. And if you are going to wear gloves like we do, in between patients or in between doing certain things, we change gloves. So, let's say I go in my patient room and I need to change their diaper. Mm-hmm. I change their diaper, and I have on gloves. I change their diaper. Well, then, let's say I need to get them medications, too. I'm going to take those dirty gloves off, use some hand sanitizer, clean my hands, and then put on a new pair of gloves. Granted, it's the same patient, but, like, what I want to put, like, feces or urine on the IV site or to give them pills that they're going to put in their mouth. So, it's the same kind of situation when you out. People use gloves to go to the grocery store. And then, or even the person at the register is like, yeah, you think you're protecting yourself, but then like you putting everybody else at risk because you touching this thing that might have touched somebody and then you putting that on my stuff. So it's kind of like, no, you need, if you're going to wear gloves at the register, you need to change gloves in between customers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like that. And so that's what I think. But I, and even at the restaurants, you like go through the drive through and they got on gloves and they didn't wear the same gloves. They touch your money. Then they didn't touch your bag with your food. And so it's just crazy. I'm like, in, in my job, when I was doing like the, uh, some days I would do the scanning, like to screen people when they were coming in the hospital and they would tell us we had to change gloves if we touch the person or hands like sanitize your right. glove. If you don't want to take your gloves off, put hand sanitizer on your actual gloves. And then you can't go on to the next person. So I think that's a whole like problem with the whole infection control like circle or whatever. But at the same time, you know, I mean, people are gonna do what they wanna do. So. <clears throat> okay, so um, before we get into the next part of the interview, uh, I just want to let you know again, this is the No Cap Podcast, you know what I'm saying? So no cap, no bullshit. Okay. So before exactly. we move along, I just want to ask you, you touched on a little bit about changing diapers and feces. Has there uh-huh. ever been a time you walked into a room or a situation where you couldn't contain yourself, like you threw up or you couldn't do it or you like tell somebody else to do it or you went home and you were still like, I can't eat. Cause I just don't see, like, I see like the doctors, they come in and they do some stuff with some stuff. And I'm like, damn, you, you walk past and they in the lunchroom eating. And it's like, 
So I've never thrown up for anything at work. Ever had things splash on your face or anything? I've had something splash on my face before, <laughs> which was actually blood, and I did kind of freak out. But okay. thank God that it was a kid, so I was okay. like, okay, give me a little bit of blood, you know. It was but, on the crackhead. Um, but, and it was a, actually, I don't know, I think, a, um, I can say this, a lot of accidents that happen in the hospital could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. So if you do it the right way and not try to do like what we call a workaround, then it probably won't happen. Um, but no, I think like every, I think every nurse, every healthcare person has like a thing that like creeps them out. And so like, to me, it's like um, doing stuff that has to do with like secretions. So like, if they have like the hole in their throat, which we call a trait, and you have to like suction it, and it, it makes mm-hmm. like that noise, like with, like all those like holes yeah. and phlegm in there, yeah. it creeps me out because it's just nasty. Or like even when like patients right. are like throwing up, and that's because I hate throwing up. And so I'm like, oh my god! Like when they throw it, I'm just like, and they make it like they gagging up. I'm just like. Right. Oh my god. But in, I mean, like in nursing school, they did like one of my favorite nursing school teachers, Doctor Upshaw. She always told us like, when you go on these patients, you have to contain, you have to fix your face. Like you have to just do right. Like put on the face. Like it ain't even bothering you. Then you come out, you just like, you know. And so that's kind of how I am when I go. Even all my coworkers, like, I mean, you never, you never do this. I'm, I'm all, I always keep it cool. I'm just mm-hmm. like, don't nothing bother you. On the inside, I'm just like, you know. But I mean, I have never thrown up though at work. I've cried, you know, I've been upset, you know, stuff like that. And not cried, just cry because I ain't gonna lie, I'm hood. I'm That's what I said. I, I was just thinking so about I that. Like, like don't hurt nobody, me, man. Yeah, it's like when people cuss me out or something, I get mad. I'm like, I can't cuss right. you right. You know, or something like that. And so that's why I cry or like I've cried because, you know, a patient family member has died or something like, you know, if the family crying, like I like cry or something or like um we have some patients that have like a um they have like a certain type of brain tumor that there's no cure for it. So like they come in and they like walking and talking and they normal and then as time goes on it like slowly deteriorates. So you they come much, in like, like on their own admission, like I feel like something wrong. Yeah, and then huh? they don't leave. No, they they leave and then they like will come back if like the symptoms get worse or something's happening. So like you kind of see them. It's called a GBM of glioblastoma. And there's mm. no cure for it. There's a lot of research to try to cure, but there's no cure. And so they come in, I mean they come in initially for like maybe like confusion or like headaches or something. And then they find we find the tumor. And so then as time goes on, of course, you you just you know deteriorate or whatever. And so you see them come in and they like walk in. I mean, of course they have like some some extent of confusion, mm-hmm. but they walk in and they walk in, they talk in, and then like as time they just like and so just watching, like basically watching somebody die is just like not okay. So I could never do like oncology or cancer because you just literally watch them like deteriorate right. and I'm, oh my god it just kills me and I mean my daddy had cancer so I think that's kind of like a part of me you know that gets bothered about that but at the same time I just want to watch somebody die like just has it, that bad has, has it ever been your job to deliver any type of news like that to somebody um yeah I mean when they first get diagnosed um we do have to go in and tell them or like if the patient died and the family's not there you have to call them to come it's kind of like an awkward phone call, like, hey, you know, your family member had a change of patient status, and then when they come, and you have to tell them that they die. Like, the nurses, we don't actually tell them that the patient died, the doctors do that. Right. But it's still, like, we have to kind of, like, they kind of come in, tell them they died, and then it's kind of like that, and then the nurses are, like, kind of there to, like, help them cope, you know, at the time. And so, that's kind of, like, the, the one of the hardest thing, harder things to do as a nurse. But, um, that's, you know, that's my thing, is, you know, but no, I've never thrown up. I've never um not walked out and not did something. But I've had coworkers that have, you know, because right. it's it, everybody has it's their natural. own level of like what they can handle. Right. And so, and then I mean, they always give me like the difficult patient because they know I they say I can handle it, even though I'm tired of taking care of the difficult patients. But you know, I'm a so, strong person, so yeah. So now you just cleaned out a trach. You up in there, all that. Yeah. And it's lunchtime. Do you skip lunch and eat dinner later, or do you? How do you process? How do you handle that? I'm gonna go eat for sure. That can't be normal. That can't be. I I mean, you've been doing it for. It's kind of like done. I don't know. You ain't never smelt it on your fingers. Huh? I said you ain't never had smelt it on your fingers like. 
Nah, I ain't never smelled nothing on my feet. Man, stuff, man. I don't know, man. <laughs> no, never. Nothing on my hands, nothing like that. Okay, so, okay. I mean, of course, it's been times that I probably didn't eat at work, but it wasn't because of something. <laughs> the only one where it's probably like, just me personally, I can't. I can't even eat in the hospital or nursing home. It's just like a smell. I can't eat. Yeah, like, but some people don't eat at work. I mean, it could be like a weight loss thing, or just you know, not just not want to eat at night because I work night shift. But I mean, me personally, I don't think I've ever had anything that just made me so you know that I didn't want to eat. Okay, okay. Now before I get you up out of here, um, I want to ask you a few questions with. Um, we got like multiple vaccines that's that's now um, available on the market. Yeah. What's your view on the COVID vaccine? Are you mandatory to take one of them? And do you um, do you suggest that me and my family take it? So um, it's not mandatory in my job yet, mm-hmm. um, but my job has also been was like one of the first hospitals that um, made it mandatory to get the flu shot. So I'm pretty sure that it's coming. Um, Me personally, I have not got it yet. I'm not saying that I'm not going to get it because I'm pretty sure that I probably will. Um, Because in my mind, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all going to die. And I'm not saying, I don't think we're going to die from the COVID. I don't think if anybody dies, they're not going to die from the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that um, my thing is I want to know like how often will we have to get it because you know like the flu vaccine is every year right. and you know like a lot of vaccines that we got as kids you get them as a kid you have to get them ever again you know mm-hmm. I mean unless you need like a booster mm-hmm. which would be like years and years later like I think I had to get like a booster for like I don't know one of my vaccines that I had as a, as a kid I had got like a booster because they can test your blood and see you know like what your numbers are to see if you have still have immunity or if your immunity is low mm-hmm. so I um you know I you know have to get like boosters or whatever I mean I'm not anti-vaccine I just think and I don't think that the COVID vaccine was put out too fast I just think that because I mean you never know like what all the scientists and the you know people are working on but I think that they need to let us know like how long is this like how often are we supposed to get this because if you tell me I'm gonna have to get a booster shot like every year I don't really mm. think I want to do that because I already have to have to get the flu shot every year right. so I'm like I don't want to keep like getting shots because I I mean you know but I mean of course we put stuff in our bodies every day I mean of course I'm drinking liquor mm-hmm. right now we put stuff in our bodies that you know can hurt us in the long exactly. run or whatever <clears throat> so I can't really say like oh don't do this because you know I mean I do stuff probably every day I mean breathing I mean I'm probably mm-hmm. like slowly doing something that can kill me so I think in that aspect but I think everybody should do their research and trust the science because I mean science is there for a reason um I do think that like you were asking me earlier do I think that um you know some some stuff I think we just uneasy because of the history of science and just mm-hmm. like you know thinking about like the Tuskegee experiment like things exactly. like that and I mean even now I think there are probably some um things out there that are doing things inappropriately to different communities and they shouldn't but that's why I feel like we as a community black white Asian, whatever, we need to be aware of what's appropriate and not and what's not appropriate. So like people approaching you to get in medical trials and stuff like that, they shouldn't be doing that. And if they are doing it and it is legal, there is a way to look up is this a legit research trial? Um and people are offering you like money and stuff like that, that's not appropriate because you shouldn't be getting paid, you know, like unless for a medical trial. Unless it's a stimulus check. No, I'm just playing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But you shouldn't be getting paid like being a medical trial. Like if it's research, it's research, you know. Um, because a lot of research trials. Man, you shouldn't um, volunteer neither. Exactly. Compensated for your shit. I mean, but no, but some people do deal with um different type of things that you know, like they want to know. I actually, I think that my dad, whenever he passed away, he actually was in a research trial for stem cells. Mm-hmm. Um, secure leukemia, and I mean, so it's kind of like if you have like a terminal disease anyway, or you have a disease that's causing you like. 
so much strife that you can't live like a normal life. I mean, like, are you really wrong for wanting to be in something that could possibly cure this or make your life, you know, let you have like a better quality of life? I mean, I don't really think that that's a problem, but I mean, to some extent, I do feel like with the COVID vaccine that um, they are kind of like testing it to see if it will help. I mean, of course, it's had like the percentages, 95, 90% or whatever of you know, um, curing it or whatever, but it's also the thing of like, dang, can I still get it? But it's kind of like with the flu shot. I mean, you get the flu shot. It's not saying that you're not going to get the flu. It's just pretty much saying like, you probably won't die from it mm-hmm. or your symptoms mm-hmm. won't be as bad. And so like the way, you know, I've had like friends and stuff that have had COVID or whatever. And like, you know, they're fine now, but they're also saying like along the line that like it can have like long-term effects on like your lungs right. and your heart mm-hmm. and stuff. So, I mean, if that, if getting the COVID vaccine means that I won't have like those lasting effects on my lungs and my heart, of course, yeah, I'll get it because I want to live a good quality life as long as I can, you know what I'm saying? But, right. um... Yeah, I think if you want to get it, I don't think it's a bad idea to get it. Um, but I don't think kids can get it. I think the minimum age is 16, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So I think if you, I mean, I think if you want to get it, you should get it. And yeah. I think it's not, a, it's not a bad idea to get it. I just I, haven't gotten it yet. Um, cause I was doing, still doing some research and like we have to schedule it and you have to be in line for a really long time in my job. That's all the time. I need to make actually make time to get it. And then they're saying like some people kind of have like a re- reaction to it, which I mean, of course, you put something in your body. And that's my thing too, just thinking about like putting something in my body that doesn't belong that's going to be there forever. Like I'm drinking liquor, but like when I pee, it's going it to be gone. Right. Yeah, but it's like this is going to be in my body forever. So it's kind of like that kind of thing. Um, But I don't think it's a bad idea because I mean, we're able to live the life that we live to a certain extent because of vaccines. Exactly. So I don't think that like it's a You don't a hear bad about idea. chicken pox no more and polio. Exactly. Like yeah. And I mean, you know, so, and I mean, like, I feel like chicken pox wasn't like that bad to like get a vaccine, but apparently it was. I, know, I remember, I remember like, I remember like chicken pox was like a, like you had to get them to be a teenager, you know what I'm saying? Like that was passage the truth. Like when I was growing up. Yeah, um, and I mean, I actually had chicken pox because I think I was born like. And in our right, house, everyone, well, my sister got it. All of us had to sleep together that night. Sleep all together, yeah. Oh, sure. Mama can't take out work that many together. days. I'm sure y'all gonna get this shit together. Yeah, so that's what I think too. I think you know, what I'm saying I don't think it's a bad idea, and I'm I. I do plan on getting the COVID vaccine, but I really want them to tell us like how often right. I'll be going to get this because I don't want to have to get a shot like every and there's getting shot. Several that you're gonna be able to choose from. So yeah, they have the Moderna and the Pfizer. Um, I don't really that's really um no difference like which one actually works better. It's just a difference in like how we store it and the right. time frame before you have to get the second Ooh, dose. So. Yeah, yeah, but, that's what um, I always say. I tell people to just take it. Like I hate when social media make make it. It make it into like a thing. people talking yeah. about chips yeah. and putting it in the black and brown people. Yeah. Like you and said, like, we drink liquor, we smoke. Vaccine. It's yeah. better. Yeah, and like even when I leave vaccine. work, it's yeah. And then when I leave work, everybody is getting the vaccine. There's no like all like everybody's getting it. it doesn't matter what color they are. So I don't think that that has anything to do with it. I think that some things that hinder the black community are because we don't go to the doctor. Exactly. We try to do all these like home remedies and stuff. Ginger ale, and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I yeah, and I think that hurts us because then by the time we actually do seek medical treatment, it's been going on for so long mm-hmm. and we done got it in our head and like this work and that work and then it's like, no, that doesn't work. Like, this has actually been proven. I mean, yeah, we do have some, you know, like home remedies that do work or whatever, you know, but some stuff you can't treat, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. at home. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I got a whole bunch of more questions for you, but we can't go okay. on all night. So, before we get I mean, up out of here, yeah, that's what I said. That's why I'm, I'm gonna hit the head points. You know what I'm saying? And I, 
I intend to have you as a, a recurring guest when I when okay. I'm breaking um, news and stuff like okay. that in the medical cool. field. Because like I said, this is no cap podcast. So if I don't know know it, I'm gonna try to go get it from somebody who, right. who's okay. better, who's well. You know what I'm saying? So you're gonna be my my medical expert. If okay. It's cool. is free. You know, I can't make sure you well compensated, but. No, I, I'm good with getting the, getting the news out there. It ain't, okay. I ain't got to be compensated. <laughs> okay, so before I get you up out of here, there's a few conspiracy. I'm not a conspiracy dude, but I do like, you know what I'm saying? I don't trust the government, all that goofy stuff like yeah. that. So okay. before I get you up out of here, it's, um, I'm not know if you're familiar with Dr. Sebi, but um, he claimed that there's cures for, for AIDS, herpes, and a host of other things, and he was able to cure it, supposedly. Is there any truth to there being cures to, to these um, things and the medical field being aware of it, and it's just because it makes more money to treat it, like the cancers and stuff like that? that the, um, it, I can say this. I don't really think that there is a cure for certain diseases because I'm going to tell you this there are millions and millions and millions of diseases out there um, even ones that we don't know about yet so mm-hmm. I don't think that there is a cure however I do believe that there are treatments so the difference between a cure and a treatment means that a cure is going to go away whatever and a treatment means that like it will treat your symptoms and you can probably live a longer life so I do mm-hmm. believe that there are treatments for certain things like um even like with HIV. So like working in the medical field, I told you like 12 years or whatever. Um, let's say I drew blood on somebody or I had a needle stick or something like that. Um, I can get tested for HIV and I can take like medication early on that I can put in my body and it would like pretty much stop me from getting like HIV, whether the patient tested positive for HIV or not. I could take this medicine and I probably wouldn't get HIV. So now you have the commercials where like they're promoting like um less gay or lesbian um people to like take the medication for to you know for HIV or whatever, like to prevent them from getting it or whatever the case may be. And so it's kind of funny to me. I'm like, oh well, you know, I kinda like been knew about that that was available, but now it's available to everybody. So I don't know what actually goes into that. Is it um actually making the medication? Um mm-hmm. the cost because if you ever know anybody who has HIV, the medications are very, very, very expensive. Like um, sometimes like a lot of them, they don't even really like pay for it. a lot of like foundations assist them in paying for their medications because they're so expensive. So I don't know if that goes into it. And I can tell you one thing: people think that the medical field got money. We ain't got no money. Like I mean, mm. because we have people that come in that don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. And so we have to we have to treat them, and so that costs the hospital money. Or if you in the hospital and you have what we call an adverse event, according to the federal government, um, like you get an infection while you're in the hospital, you get a pressure ulcer while you're in the hospital. The hospital has to eat the cost of those pays. And if you ever been to the hospital, you got a medical bill, you know how much it costs. So, um, even me, I had like chest pain at work one time and I had got like a workup or whatever to make sure nothing was wrong with my heart. And, um, it costed me like the cost was actually like $78,000. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I was not in the hospital. I went to the emergency room and then I had got tests. Like I went to the doctor to like get some tests done. I went home on like a heart monitor and I had to get like some pictures of my heart and stuff like that. And it costed $78,000. But I, I mean, of course I had insurance, so I didn't have to pay that much and ended up paying like $700 out of pocket. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, that's just for that. Just think about, we have patients in the hospitals for three months. Um, you know, and I just think about how much that costs the medicines, the, the, the paying the staff, paying right. the doctors, uh, every, all the medicines they take. We have some type of medications that cost like $30,000, like some type, you know, and so I don't think that it's really the, they want to make money or whatever because they're, I mean, it's, that's why healthcare in America is so expensive because everything costs so much. Um, and so I don't think that they're keeping it because they want to keep making money because are we really making money? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, really I don't know. It's too case. much. It's too much math for me. One time they explained, it like, it's supposedly Canada could do the shit for free, supposedly. So, I don't know. But you touched on a little bit about it back 
uh, a little bit back about like things like the Tuskegee experiments and stuff like that. So the government hands aren't clean. So is there anything but, you know what I'm saying? Cause that is there a lot of people think, you know what I'm saying? COVID could be, uh, uh, the Tuskegee on a, on a major level. So is it anything, has there been anything since you've been in the medical field that you found out other than like the, this is that something you found out like, while you after you became a nurse or because i know a lot of people don't even know about that so well i learned about the tuskegee experiment in school because i had a i was a nursing major with a psych psychology minor so um you went to an hbcu right hbcu yes of the university the southern university a&m college yes so um i think i learned about it in psychology and i also learned about it um in psychology because of how you know like they can mess with your mind and stuff and prey on like people that are um they don't know they don't have that they have a lack of education and then i also learned about it in nursing like in my nursing school um curriculum so i i don't that I can say this back then they didn't have as many checks and balances right, um for people to do like these trials or whatever. Um but I cannot truly say that it doesn't go on, you know what I'm saying? Um because like I mean it, they have so many like they supposed to have so many checks and balances. And I mean right now I'm getting my masters um, and so I learned about like do, doing research trials and what you can and can't do and stuff like that. And so I just think that we need to educate everybody so that everybody can know like what you can and can't do and what these people should you really shouldn't like when you do a research trial. It's certain things that have to be on there. Um, whenever you sign to be in it, it's just a, a whole thing. And I think that the problem is that people don't know what we can and can't do or they get baited with money and they prey on people who don't have money and then they're like oh yeah I can find y'all just to do this for 21 days yeah I'm gonna do it you know what I'm saying and Mm -hmm. they don't even know like what's going on or whatever and so I think that that's really the biggest problem Um, I mean of course there are gonna be I mean we live in a world of good and evil so I mean of course there are always gonna be people that are gonna try to do things that they're not supposed to do but we just have to continuously like find out what we can and can't do and just be abreast of everything. And if you don't know, don't be scared to ask a question. Don't have pride. And I mean, it's so many. I mean, you can Google stuff. You can ask somebody. Right. You know. I mean, I mean, not saying that Google or social media is like the number one place to go, but you can always get directed into the right place. You know. And I mean, there is good information on the internet. There is good information from people. And I think social media has intercepted that because we always want to go on there and see what everybody else is saying instead of going to like the facts. You know. Right. All right. So. Okay, man. I, so, I don't think that that's the that's the case. I think that um us as black people, we just don't um we don't seek out medical care. Um, I mean, they don't give it and I, and like I'm they're supposed to us. neither. I'm not us because you know what I'm saying because of the things that we have experienced. Um, and I mean, you know, we are the true Israelite. So I think that that has a little bit. What to you do know about with that? <laughs> I think that has something to do with it, but I'm not going to say that that's the overall like synopsis of everything because I mean, everybody is not out to get everybody, you know? So, yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate you for coming on the No Cap Podcast. This was definitely a dope show. I didn't even expect for us to go that long. So I just want to yeah. say thank you for coming on for, I know you busy. For, uh, thank you for on. having me. Yeah. <laughs> giving your expertise. Yeah. And like I said, I love to have you back on for um for another show just to give them we have different uh medical news and stuff like that. Yeah. I can get you on the phone, you know what I'm saying? We don't always gotta do it on Zoom or Okay. Time yeah. you in town, you can come in and we can rap. Right. So Okay. Um like I said, thanks for coming on. Have a good evening. All yeah. right. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. All right. All right.